It's time for the Smart Money Questions Podcast with Matt Hausman. This is the show that provides you with a sound financial education and helps you avoid financial pitfalls. Make sure you are asking the right questions by listening to the Smart Money Questions Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome again, Smart Money Questions. I'm your host, Matt Hausman. Glad you're here with us. Hope you are enjoying the spring. And today what I want to do is over the course of the last couple weeks, we've brought on a couple clients and in having the conversations with them and when we were going and establishing paperwork and going through that for the different accounts that we're going to be helping them with, I had a couple interesting conversations with them. And what I wanted to do is go over what that is. I've talked about this subject in the past, but I'm really going to dive into it because it's worth repeating and making sure that you guys have an understanding on how your accounts are treated in different ways. And then, God forbid, something happens, what's the most efficient way for them to get to whoever you designate? So I'm going to dive into that today, but first let's give the disclaimer. I don't know you. Well, I might know you, but there's probably a good chance that I don't. So therefore, please, please, Do not take what I discuss on this show as direct advice for you. Treat it more as information and education that then you should discuss with your financial advisor, an attorney, CPA, or whoever you normally seek out counsel, if you do seek out counsel. Now, if you would like for me or us to be your advisor, we can certainly have that conversation. We'll caution you, though, that normally we only take on about 30 to 40 percent of the people who seek us out. And it's not because we're overly selective. We just feel very strongly there is a right reason to hire an advisor and there's a wrong reason to hire an advisor. So if you'd like to seek us out, there's many multiple ways you can do that. Probably the easiest is to just call my office, 610-719-3003. That's area code 610-719-3003. And we can schedule a time for us to talk or meet. But if you're not in the Metro Philly area, not to worry, we actually have clients in 10 states and we're very comfortable working with people virtually if that's what you have interest in. And I'm going to actually give another disclaimer right now. I want everyone to know, uh, just like what the disclaimer just said, this is for informational purposes only. Your situation is going to be unique. And the things I'm going to be discussing with you today, you would actually want to make sure that in the event you're going to make some changes that you speak potentially with an attorney. And I am not an attorney. So in the event, the things I go over today, they kind of spark an interest or you want to look to make some changes, especially when I reference legal documents, please make sure that you consult with an estate attorney and have them draw the necessary documents up for you. If you don't have one, feel free to reach out to us. We have a couple that we always refer out. And one of the ones that we refer out is actually the one that has done Maggie and I's paperwork. And we just recently did some updating to that very competent attorney here in PA. But let me dive into this. So in the conversation that I had, uh, I was actually with three clients, new clients over the course of the last two, three weeks, is when we were discussing how the accounts are taxed, and you guys hear me talk about that all the time, also how they will move to the next generation, or if you have joint accounts, is understanding how those accounts move, how they're treated, 
and why it is so important. And I think there's some, in this case, with two out of the three, there was a little misunderstanding on how the accounts would be treated. And I, I think it's so important that we really want to understand how they're treated, the different things that you can take advantage of right now and make sure that they are in place for you to really be able to create efficient movements of the assets and not really create headaches, not only headaches, but potential tax consequences if it's not done. So what I'm talking about is understanding your accounts, making sure your beneficiary forms are up to date. I'm going to go into that and legal documents, because in, in the conversation with two out of the three, what was mentioned was, well, we have a will. We don't really have to worry about our beneficiaries. And what I was trying to explain to them is it's very important to have those beneficiary forms up to date and filled out because otherwise what happens, especially with qualified retirement accounts, is that money is going to be subject to probate. And you're correct if you have a will that that can assist in the movement of the money, but it also makes it public. It makes it go through probate. You're creating additional expenses and potential tax costs. So let's dive into the different type of accounts we can have, different type of assets we can own, and where it's so important to make sure that you're exercising the beneficiary forms with those accounts, understanding there are assets that you have that more than likely a will is going to be needed for that those assets to move and understanding the difference. So let's talk about the different types of accounts. So I'm going to talk about tax characterization and you guys hear me talk about that all the time. In this case, the first one we're going to talk about is qualified retirement accounts, IRAs, 401ks, 403bs, even Roth IRAs. Understand that these accounts are held individually you can't have a joint IRA ownership, right? It's individual retirement accounts, your 401k, your IRA. It's associated with one social security number. And then, of course, we understand the rules around, or if you don't, there's other podcasts about that. I'm not going to jump into that. But because of having that asset, then we want to create and use the beneficiary forms for when we pass how that money is going to move. So I'm going to use Maggie and I as the example as we go through all this. So in this case, our qualified retirement accounts that we have, one in my name, one in Maggie's name, Maggie is listed as the primary beneficiary. And then our kids, we have three, are listed as contingent beneficiaries. Now, could that go through a will? Absolutely. If it happens, it creates an enormous problem we can't take advantage of the current laws around qualified retirement accounts and look to mitigate taxes for the next generation. So just to remember, individual retirement accounts is exactly what it says. It's an individual retirement account. No matter if it's a 401k, 403b, 457, doesn't matter. It's associated with one social security number. And you want to make sure, I always recommend that we have the primary beneficiary. If you're married, usually it's the spouse. If you're not, then you're going to want to name a primary and especially if you're married you want to I always recommend contingent beneficiaries and so what that means contingent is in the event that um, the primary predeceases me like so in, in this case if Maggie predeceased me or I predeceased her then we already have contingent beneficiary forms listed and that money would flow 
to them. And I'm not going to get into how the most efficient way to have those go or, or how to inherit them, but just understand how important the beneficiary forms are in making that transaction or that transition as seamless as possible. If it does go through a will, let me explain what happens if it does go through a will, because I just recently had this happen with actually last year with a client. So what had happened was he had a sibling that did not have the beneficiary forms filled out. That money then has to go through probate. He did have a will, although outdated, he did have one. They went ahead and presented that to the court and they got an exception for his qualified retirement accounts to where they didn't have to take it all in one year, but now they do have to take it over a five year period of time. So in this case, my client is still working, still making really good money, and now they're gonna have all of this additional income that is reportable now as compared to if he would have had a beneficiary form filled out, then it would have came to my client and my client wouldn't have to take these huge chunks of money out over the next five years while still working. In his case, he actually has about seven more years to work. And so we could have, if the beneficiary form would have been filled out, we could have mitigated the tax over the next seven years and taken more out in seven years when his income is going to fall because he's no longer working. So understand how important the beneficiary form is, especially with qualified retirement accounts. Now let's also talk about the other tax characterization and that is after-tax accounts, sometimes called taxable accounts. And that's where we, let's say we have a savings account or a brokerage account or a checking account. And this is especially important if you're married or if you're single and you have a joint owner on the account. So I'm going to go back and again use Maggie and I as the example. We have joint accounts. We have joint checking accounts. We have joint savings accounts. We have joint brokerage accounts. So now what happens is in the event I predecease her or vice versa, that other joint owner immediately retains ownership of the account. So some would say, well, is a beneficiary form really needed? And I say, absolutely. We want to go ahead and now, in this case, again, Maggie and I, we were going to have our kids, all three listed as primary beneficiaries. But the key to understand is that they would not take ownership of the account until both Maggie and I are gone. So it is still important with those joint types of accounts to have beneficiary forms listed on there. And many times I have had clients and I've gotten on the phone with, uh, with their banks. I had this happen probably, I don't know, probably about four or five years ago. Had a client whose husband passed away very early, tragically, and she got the life insurance money. And she just went and took the check down to her bank, where she banks. I won't mention the bank, but, you know, she went down there. In the first, and then we met. And we happened to meet the same day that actually in the afternoon from the morning that she went in and deposited that check. And it was a pretty good sized check. And when I asked her, by the way, you filled out beneficiary forms on that account, right? Because now it's just her. And we called and sure enough, she goes, you know what? The person didn't even offer to fill that out. I just filled out the account information, my information, gave them the check they deposited. They gave me a deposit slip. I said, no, no, no. We need to call them right now and find out what the process is to make sure the beneficiary form is filled out correctly. So it is so important on all of your accounts 
that you make sure that that information is there. Because what happens is, if we go back to, well, I've got a will, is the beneficiary form supersedes the will. So it's real important to understand that. In addition, the beneficiary form, because it's not going to go through your will, it's not going to go through probate, and it does not become public record. So if it does have to go through probate, we have a length of time before those assets can be distributed. If it's a beneficiary form, many times those assets can be moved within 30 to 45 days, and no one knows the wiser on where your money was. It goes to exactly who you designated in the beneficiary form. So again, the beneficiary forms are so important. And just because we think, oh, well, I've got a will, I don't need to worry about that. My recommendation, highly recommend this, is that you make sure that that information is done. Now let's talk about where a will can be needed. And that's when you get into items or assets where there isn't a beneficiary form. So you can think of real estate, so your home, or if you have rentals, your personal items, cars, boats, etc. There's no place in the deed or the title to include a beneficiary. So that is where the will is needed. Now, in the event you do not have a will done, this is where I highly recommend you contact an estate attorney and you have this drawn up. Because if that doesn't happen, if you do not have a will done, and you know, make sure it's up to date with the wishes that you want, then it goes basically to the state and the state has, depending on the state where you live, or I'm sorry, you pass, is that they will have designated beneficiaries for you. Beneficiaries that the state is determining instead of you. So again, now we're getting into legal documents and why having a will is very important. And that is because you do not want the state stepping in or the government to step in and dictate where your assets are going to go. So again, it's so important to have the will up to date and making sure that it is doing exactly what you want your assets to do so the state doesn't step in. Now, so we can kind of see the difference. We see the different types of assets that we have. Some assets are going to have beneficiary forms. That's going to be like savings account, brokerage accounts, yeah, life insurance. Then we also have beneficiary forms on IRAs, qualified retirement accounts, Roth IRAs, 401ks. And it's so important to make sure that's done. Now, when we're also talking about legal documents like wills, we want to make sure that we also have the other ones done, which is power of attorneys and living wills. And many times when I speak to people that they haven't done this, and this just happened last week when I was meeting with one of the new clients, is they don't want to have those conversations. And I understand, you know, it's not real fun to sit there and talk about our own mortality, but the reality is it's a rubber meets the road conversation that has to happen. So that was my recommendation last week. Many times you guys have heard when I'm in meetings and stuff like that, meeting with a husband and wife couple is, listen, marriage counseling is $6.95 an hour and I probably need three hours in advance. <laughs> but, and I joke with them at that point, because one of the spouses was really wanting to have that conversation and the other one was not. So it is so important. I know it's not fun, but it is a rubber meets the road conversation that has to happen. And making sure all of these documents are up to date is so important and critical. 
So just to go back over again, why beneficiary forms are so important, why they bypass probate and you get to dictate where that money is going to go. Why is it so important to have it on all of your accounts, your qualified retirement accounts, your joint checking account, your joint savings or a savings account or a brokerage account? And why do we want a will? Because we don't want to have a situation where the state is going to step in and dictate where your assets are going to go. So I, I, I know that was a quick one. I just wanted to get that out. I know I've spoke about it in the past. It is so important. I can't stress it enough how important it is to make sure that stuff is taken care of. So that's all I've got for today. I hope this has been helpful. If you have a question or a scenario that you would like for us to address, please just email it to us at info at smartmoneyquestions.com or just go to our website and there's a form there that you can actually fill out or if you just like to pick the phone up and call us, that's fine too. 610-719-3003. That's 610-719-3003. That's all I've got today. Hope you guys are having a great spring. We will talk to you soon. Thanks again.